Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. You've heard me preach this particular portion of Scripture probably two or three times in December. And we're going to finish it off this series today. And starting at verse 9, it says this, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star. Everybody say the star. The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood where the young child was. When they saw the star, everybody say the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts unto him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You may have your seats. The past few weeks, I have preached from this particular portion of Scripture, as I just mentioned before, throughout the month of December, and I've really been focusing on, in my life personally, I think it's overflowed to the church, at least that's, that's been the goal, that's been my intention, and it's been putting more focus on the presence of God, presence with the seat, not just wrapping presents in December. I think by default, uh, you know, we have a tendency to get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of buying gifts, buying presents for husbands, wives, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. But I really wanted to put focus on God's presence. It's really, I see in churches more and more that we are focusing more on series and even we focus sometimes on the name of Jesus or even salvations. But, but there's very little talk of, at least in most circles that we see today, about the tangible presence that God offers to his children. If you think about it, I wasn't going to go in this direction, but I, but I just feel an unction even right now that the presence of the Father is critical in, to, in the life of every son and daughter. It's, it's not just physical presence because there's people who have physical presence of a father in the house but don't have an actual presence of him being there, being not just present with his body but present with his mind, present with being engaged with his children. And right now, because of a lack of the presence of a father, there is great defects in the American home. Can I tell you this? There are great defects in the body of Christ at large right now, not because there's a lack of preaching of Jesus, but because of lack of presence. Because it's the presence that then opens the heart, the human heart, that man or that woman's heart, that actually can make it ready to receive God's truth so that it can actually produce something. Look at somebody and say, the presence of God is important. Come on, look at somebody else and say, the presence of God is important. 
So one of my first messages at the beginning of the month was a, a message called Pursuing Presence, meaning if we're going to get God's presence, you have to pursue. This is, this is what separates the believer who experiences God's presence in their everyday life from the person who does not, because you will not get what you do not pursue. If you pursue a cold Christianity or you just come to church just expecting someone to read the word and for you to check the box, guess what? That's all you're going to get. You're going to get a cold Christianity that doesn't make it outside of the four walls of the church. And you start again all over on Sunday. But can I tell you, we are in a critical hour where that presence, the actual presence of God is, is, is critically needed in the life of every believer. Do you know there are some things you're not going to be able to overcome just by reading the word? Until the Holy Spirit breathes on it. That's why the Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit, it, it what? It gives life. So until the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God, illuminates the Word of God, it will be cold and ineffective in your life. So that's why some of us are left leaving services sometimes dry because God somehow didn't breathe on it or our hearts were in the right position or the presence of the Lord wasn't alive and active, so therefore there was no change and transformation. But we are living in a day where God wants to bring His presence back to restore the ark back to the church of Jesus Christ so that the presence of God is moving in our services. There can be no masses of salvations without the presence of God. There can be no real deliverance in the church and in the world without the Lord's presence here. There can be no real healings other than a healing of a back pain in the church without God's presence. Come on, am I preaching to the right crowd? This morning, we need the presence of God restored. And then we preached a message called uh, Presence is the Gift. Presence is the gift. Everybody say presence is the gift. In other words, that is one of the main things that besides Jesus coming into the world, although that is the pinnacle. Everybody say that's the pinnacle. Jesus coming into the world, dying for our sins, giving us access back to God the Father is of paramount importance. But second to that, one of the second things that Jesus did is he went away. Why did he go away? So that he might send the helper. So that he might send the presence of the Holy Spirit. So presence is the gift. Because Jesus in the physical is no longer here. But the Holy Spirit is. And the Holy Spirit carries us into a relationship with Jesus. And it causes us to be effective in our relationship with him. And of course, I preached, uh, you'll see those little gifts in the back. One of those little gifts underneath the tree says salvation. One of them says deliverance. And one of them says uh, presence, meaning the presence of the Lord. I preached a message called the layered gift. In other words, there's many layers to your relationship with Jesus. And unfortunately, many people don't unwrap beyond salvation. But there's so many gifts that are locked up within the one gift. He's not just salvation, he's healing. He's not just healing, he's deliverance. He's not just deliverance, he's presence. That will cause you and empower you to be an effective Christian in your walk with him today. Amen? And so now um, it brings us to this next sermon that I want to delve into. Now, before I give you the title, um, I just want to kind of give a kind of a, maybe not a preview, but just to let you know in, in advance, I want to apologize for reading this scripture over and over. I want to apologize, but I don't want to apologize because this scripture I have read about three times in those four weeks that I've preached, and it's about the wise men. But when you read the scriptures, 
you will find out that it's living water. It's manna. When you read it, you may not get out of it this week, what you're going to get out of it next week. That's why I can spend sometimes weeks and almost months just going over and rehearsing and rereading the scriptures because the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword like the Bible says. It is alive. Somebody say it's alive. So I've got this next revelation that I believe is going to bless you this morning. Somebody say, get ready. This past year has no doubt been extremely difficult for so many people on many different levels. Uh, I don't even think I have to mention COVID-19. I think that's uh, pretty, pretty evident, but I think there's so much more that added to that. There's so, been so many job losses. I've been dealing with people who are struggling in their marriage. Some people are struggling in their body. So it's kind of been like one big thing after the other. There's just, we've been inundated with, with such negativity and it poses a whole lot of questions. You know, what's gonna happen in America? Who's gonna be the president of the United States? What's gonna happen to our personal lives? What's next for me? What's my next career for those who've experienced job loss? How, how am I gonna afford my mortgage or my rent? Or questions like, how's this thing that God told me gonna come to pass? Or where are these resources gonna come from? This stimulus check isn't enough. <laughs> come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. Somebody, I just look at somebody's face and they're like, I'm still waiting on mine. <laughs> There's so many different questions that we have today. That $600 stimulus check can't even pay a mortgage. Come on. Somebody say, bless me, Lord. <laughs> and the list goes on. And so the reason I read this particular portion of scripture about the wise men is because they had a posture of heart that I would like to convert or challenge you to take as we walk into 2021. Because as I said before, it's less about a year and more about the posture that you have going into the next year. Can I tell you this? This may stir some of you, maybe even get some of you mad at me, but I've had one of the best years I've ever had. And it's, here's the reason why, is because God has, is teaching me. He's currently teaching me how to go deeper in spite of anything going on around me. And this is the place that the Apostle Paul came to. And this is the place that the wise men were. And so no matter what's going on in your life today, I want to tell you that you can have hope. You can walk in victory. You can have peace. Nudge somebody and say, you can. You can have peace no matter what obstacles are in front of you. So today I want to minister a message called Follow the Star. Somebody say, follow the star. Come on, say it a little bit louder. Say, follow the star. In 2021, let's make a covenant with God that we are going to follow the star. You're going to, maybe some of you are saying this morning, what do you mean follow the star? That's not scripture. Jesus is not the star. I want you to read the book of Revelation with me, chapter 22 and verse 19. I want you to, I want you to see what it says. This is Jesus speaking. And he says this, I have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. Who's the star? Jesus is the star. So there's so many different life lessons that I believe that we can extrapolate 
that from this particular scripture that the wise men took. Because to be honest with you, there were so many distractions in their day and even on their journey as they followed that star. So many things that they could have been overtaken by. There's so many things that this 2020 has overtaken you with. There has been sickness. There's been COVID-19. There has maybe been some visits to some funerals that you didn't want to take so many things that you've been inundated by. But can I tell you, you don't have to be distracted in 2021. You can walk in victory with focus, with fervency in every area of your life. But here's what we're going to have to do. Keep our eyes not on our situation, but our eyes on the star. Look at somebody and say, keep your eyes on the star. So one of the first things that we're going to walk in victory in 2021, we are going to have to get rid of all of our distractions. Say, get rid of your distractions. Come on, talk to yourself and say, I have to get rid of some distractions. I know that this story with the wise men, we watch these little videos and I see this, and this is basically what you think is they walked across this desert on the back of some camels. I mean, have you seen camels' backs before? Probably not very comfortable. What's even less comfortable, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is that the amount of travel that they had to take in order to get to this manger where Jesus would be born. Sometimes it takes a long journey to get to your purpose. And the thing is, is that Jesus chose some people far away just to see the fervency that was in them. Somebody said, get rid of your distractions. So I know that this picture is painted perfectly. You have this beautiful mountain view, but the Bible says that these were wise men from the east. So wise men from the east was over 400 miles away from where the manger would be possibly more or maybe a little less, meaning this was a long journey. And think about it. They had to travel through the night. Imagine the darkness that they had to overcome. How many know that this has been a year of great darkness? There is going to be sometimes in seasons in your life where the greatest promises lie hidden within your darkest hour. And so in this season, we are going to have to intentionally get rid of our distractions. And listen, if you're going to get rid of your distractions, you can't focus on the darkness. All of us have darkness from the preacher to the pews. There is darkness all in this room. There are things in our lives that want to steal our attention away from the star. Oh, I'm not preaching to the right crowd. It looks like you guys have it all together this morning. I don't know about you, but there is some darkness in my life that I want God to get rid of. But sometimes God won't get rid of it because he's just wanting to teach you discipline to keep your eyes on the star and not on your situation. And so we have to get rid of our distractions. Say, get rid of your distractions. And one of the distractions that I think that the the wise men had in their life was gross darkness. But God called them to pursue him even in the midst of darkness. This whole new Christianity that's being preached that if you come to Jesus, you're gonna get your car, you're gonna get your best house, you're gonna get your new pair of shoes. And, and, I, and I love that, but I don't, I don't read anywhere in Pauline's epistles. He said you would be blessed. God rewards those who diligently seek him. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to go through some dark seasons in order to get to your manger. Sometimes you got to go through some darkness in order to get to the star that God has promised you. So this whole God
gospel that promises you everything without any darkness or having to go through any darkness is a false gospel. There's a, this Bible that I read, I don't know what version you have, but it still talks about if you suffer with me, you will then reign with me. But people want to reign with him without any suffering. People want to be upon a pedestal without going through any kind of suffering or going through darkness. But God's school of the spirit entails that we have to go through sometimes dark seasons before we get to the star. Come on, somebody ought to say amen for that. And not only that, but there were elements that they had to fight. Somebody say elements. They didn't just have to fight darkness. That's one thing. Talking about COVID-19 being dark, there's elements that we had to fight through. Masks, difficulties, hard pressed on every side, like Paul said. Can't spend time with your families. That wasn't me. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. There were elements that they had to fight. Think about the temperature. I don't know if you've ever studied about, when we think of deserts, we think of heat. But deserts at night are very cold and very hot during the day. Elements, no water. Sometimes you'll go through seasons that God doesn't seem to provide sustenance for you as you go through. But guess what is God, God is doing? Building up your tolerance. Not to rely on certain elements except for him. Amen? Sometimes we'll have to fight other elements. Elements like there was coyotes there. There were, I'm sure, wolves and snakes and all different types of elements. Shoe dirt in their sandals. How many ever, ever walked through the dirt with their Jesus walkers on and got sand between your toes? Well, they're walking 400 miles. All these elements, all these disturbances, all these frustrations in order to get to where God called them. But as I read through these verses, in spite of all the elements and all the darkness, there's not one negative thing that you hear about the wise men. They didn't complain. Do you know why? They were too focused on the star. So this coming year, it's not that you're gonna be free of darkness. It's not gonna be that you're free, completely free of difficulty. You might lose some relationships. I pray that you don't. I'm not prophesying, but I'm just saying you might go through some things that, that, that are hard for you. You might lose some things. You could lose a job. That's life. We live in a fallen world. But here is the key. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And guess what? The more, the more you focus on him, the dimmer the world gets. If you want to grow frustrated, keep looking at the world and what's going on in the world. But if you want to get encouraged, if you want to grow in your faith, keep your eyes on the bright and morning star. You know what else they had to fight through? There are several things, but for the sake of time, I won't go through all of them. But they had to fight the other appealing stars. Maybe not ones that burned as bright, but can you imagine... That couldn't have been the only star in the sky. The star in the east was not the only star in the sky. The Big Dipper was there. Orion's belt was there. There's going to be other stars that pop up in your life in 2021 that are going to fight for your attention and fight to take his place. And we have to fight towards other things that would steal our affections for him, that would steal our focus from him, that would keep us from keeping him the preeminent one in our lives. That could be a relationship for you. That could be a job for you. There was somebody who, I, I, I talk to people all the time, and they, and they say, well, I'm going to make more, more money if I work on Sunday, but that means I have to miss service. You know what I told them? If losing my relationship, if making more money means I have to cut my relationship with Jesus off, 
I don't want the promotion. Because you don't, may not know it, but it's actually a demotion. Because it's stealing the focus on the most important thing in your life. So you can keep your money. You can keep the fame. You can keep the next level if that means I have to pull back from the Lord in my life. Because the Bible says nothing is supposed to share the place of Christ in our lives. So this coming season, there are going to be other stars that attempt to steal your focus. And my encouragement to you this morning is do what the wise men did. Keep your eyes fixed on the star and get rid of every distraction. I love what Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 1 in the New King James Version. This is the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite writers of the New Testament. He wrote about two-thirds of it. He says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every... Weights are not sin. Weights are distractions. So in other words, God is calling us in this season as the church, as God's people, not just to lay aside every sin. He's going to get to that part, but he says every weight. You know what I'm getting really good at? And I, used to, I was starting to feel really bad about it, but particularly the past few months, and the Lord's still working on me, is I'm working on my no. Because there are certain things that do not add to the destiny that God has prepared for me. So I just got to get good at saying no to some things. You know, you don't have to say yes to everybody. You know, saying yes is not necessarily a holy word. Sometimes we treat yes like holy. No, I'm not coming to preach for you. I'm taking care of my own house. No, I can't go with you on Saturday because I'm busy being a father and a husband. Come on, y'all ain't talking to the preacher this morning. We sometimes have to get used to and get get our hearts prepared to say no to some things that don't add progress to our life or in our relationship with Jesus. So here's what Paul says. Let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say weight. Every weight and sin that would so easily ensnare us. So weights and sin ensnare us so that we can run this race with endurance that is set before us. I love what the Message Bible says. Are you going to sleep on me? It says this, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one through three. Do you not see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on the star, Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Come on, that's what the wise men did. They never lost sight because they kept their eyes on the star. Come on, say, somebody say the star. They never lost sight of where they were headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging or flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline in your souls. God, I love that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the star in 2021. You know what I thought about? 2020, and I probably preached this too, 
We think, you know, us preachers, we try to come up with little fancy ways to dress up our sermon titles. 2020, and we talked about this being a year of vision. And you see so many of these prophets raising up, talking about this is the year of vision. You know what has really been a year of? Distraction. Because the enemy will, will oppose anything that God's word speaks. And so this season, we have to get rid of every little demonic or every little weight or sin that was so easily beset us so that we can be effective in our pursuits of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Because whatever the Lord has a will to do, he will oppose that in the opposite. Have you ever met someone? This is funny to me, and this is not always the case. But I've met people with certain names. And for, for instance, my name is Donald, and it means leader. But do you know what I struggle with? Always feeling like I couldn't. Always feeling like I couldn't lead. My wife, her name is Stephanie, which means crowned one. And the enemy attacked her, as she told me, as a little girl. She always felt like undervalued. Isn't that just like the devil? If you think about what your name means, the enemy will always try to oppose in the opposite of what God has called you to. So the Lord called 2020 uh, to be a year of vision, but yet it became a year of distortion and distraction. Do you see that? So oftentimes the enemy will attack in the opposite of what has, God has called to come to pass. And so if you see resistance in your life, if you see something stealing your attention, if you see little distractions, that's simply because God is calling you closer. Yeah. And so the enemy will come in like a flood and try to cause these distractions to get you off track. Amen? Because if, listen, listen to me. If Satan cannot dismantle you, meaning get you to fall, this, this is particularly for most seasoned Christians who won't smoke and who won't chew and who won't do drugs and won't sleep around, won't do any of those things. And you won't fall in those areas. But you know what the enemy will do? If he can't dismantle you as a Christian, he'll distract you. He will distract you from your purpose. He will get you busy going through the motions. You may not sin, but you'll focus on paying your bills, paying your mortgage and working and being busy. Too busy for Jesus. No room in the end. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to the preacher this morning. If he cannot dismantle you, he will do his best to distract you. My second encouragement to you is follow what the, the wise men did and don't get disillusioned. Don't get disillusioned. What do I mean? You want to know, know what disillusioned means? It means to be disappointed in someone or something that one discovers to be less than one had believed. There are some of you who felt like 2020 was gonna be your best year. You thought it was the year. And that's what happens to us as Christians in our walk with the Lord. It should have happened by now. I wonder after they're walking for many miles, and we're, we're not talking about, they weren't driving a Bentley or a Maserati. They were walking, possibly camelback, possibly horseback, it's got to be around here somewhere. Maybe it's over this mountain. And you feel like, God, have you ever felt like in your relationship with God, like this is going to be the year and it's not that year? And it feels like God keeps just dropping breadcrumbs. And you felt like it should have happened for me by now. I should be married by now. I should have found him or her 
by now. I should have had this promotion by now. I should have been in ministry by now. This is taking too long, Lord. We have to be careful in the body of Christ. And can I tell you, this specific word, disillusioned, attacks most ministers. My church should have been full by now. People should have been coming by now. Jesus should have healed my body by now. God should have done X, Y, Z by now. And if you're not careful, you will grow disillusioned and you will backslide because you think that God has no intention on doing the thing that he called you to because he takes too long. But can I tell you, we serve a God who fulfills his end of the bargain if you will fulfill yours. As long as you keep pursuing the star, God will fulfill his part of the bargain if you keep your eyes on the star, if you keep pursuing. My encouragement to you this morning is in 2021, don't grow disillusioned as you pursue Jesus. Come on, you can give God a hand clap for that. I wonder if they were thinking to themselves, because they interpreted the scriptures, and they weren't even prophets. These were wise men. They didn't, God didn't choose scholars to follow him. He did not use even his disciples. Look how he chose his disciples. He chose untrained men to follow him. I wonder if as they were following him, following the star, him, Jesus, the star, the bright and morning star, according to the book of Revelation, I wonder if they thought to themselves, because it was taking so long, maybe we misinterpreted the scriptures. Because if it was God, it wouldn't take this long. If it was really God, I wouldn't be this lonely this long. If, 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 if God loved me, he wouldn't leave me in pain this long. If this was God, I wouldn't be jobless for this long. If this was God, I wouldn't be struggling with this depression this long. If this was God, that would have never happened to me as a little girl or a little boy. If this, sometimes in our relationship with God, when things take too long, we can grow disillusioned because God takes so much time. Maybe I've been following the wrong star. Disillusionment. Okay, let me, let me just interpret it for you. Church is not going to work for me. This whole God thing is not going to work for me. There are other ways. Maybe just maybe thinking positive. I don't need, necessarily need to follow the star. There's other ways. There's other roads to get to Jesus. There's other ways to get to God. Or there's other ways, get this, there's other ways to get to happiness than God. It's too much work. I can get to my destiny and I can get to my purpose. I can get to the promise that God has called me to without following the principles of scripture. Come on. Oh, you've never felt that way before when God has delayed your promise? You've never grown disillusioned that may, maybe this is not the only way that's going to work for me? You have to be careful about the demonic influences that, that the enemy sends to you to cause disillusionment that he would lie to you. And listen, if you ever hear that voice that God's not gonna do it, can I tell you, more than likely, it's right around the corner. When you start hearing these voices of disillusionment, God, I'm never gonna be happy. I'm never gonna be healed in my emotions. He's never gonna bring my spouse. He's never gonna do X, Y, Z. He's never gonna fulfill that prophetic word. Can I tell you, right then and there, when you're at your breaking point, when you're entering into that disillusion, you better snap out of it because the devil is speaking that because God is close to fulfilling the promises that he's made to you. Come on, I wish somebody would receive that this morning. It's funny to me 
how God chooses difficult roads that eventually lead to him. And this is the deceiving part about being a believer. I have to tell you this. I want to be honest with you. For, for me, I've been walking with the Lord now 19, almost 20 years. And in the beginning, I came out from underneath a movement that made many, many promises. And I believe all those promises were true. But I wish they had told me about the long journey. Nobody told that. We, we're looking back at the wise men saying, man, that's 400 miles. That's a long way. But we know that they were going to get to the star. But there's times and seasons in our lives where nobody is there cheering us on. We have the advantage of looking back. We're only looking forward. So we don't really know if God's going to do it or not. And if you're not careful, you will grow disillusioned and you will stop short of the promise that God has called you to if you don't keep moving, if you don't keep your eye on the star. But oftentimes, I've struggled with this the most because God has called me to suffer in many different areas of my life in order to get to him. I don't want, know why God chooses these roads, but I know what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. And it's one of my favorite scriptures, not because I love it, but because it reminded me that God not only chose a tough road for the wise men, but he chooses oftentimes tough roads for me and you in order to get to him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14 says this, because narrow is the gate that leads to life. And there are many who find it. Just a few. He says, because narrow is the gate, this is Jesus talking, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and there are only a few who find it. Most people are not willing to, to go down the journey. They're not willing to go down the hard road that leads to the ultimate promise, which is Jesus Christ and eternal life. But it also, short term, in the short term, there are promises that we want to see fulfilled in our lives in 2021. So keep your eye on the star. Look at somebody and say, keep your eye on the star. We also have to fight against being discontented. See how I'm using all the D words? Discontented. Everybody say discontented. You know what that means? It means dissatisfied, especially with one's circumstances. If you choose to abort the difficulty that's surrounding your life right now. You may just abort the promise that God has for you. And that's what most believers do. They get discontented in their situations. When I look at these nativity scenes, I seen a beautiful one the other day. We were working on this church. I love working on church facilities. My team does. Well, they opened up these foyer doors and there were these huge I don't know if they were wooden or not, but these beautiful wise men, it was a very large nativity set. And these wise men, I mean, they were dressed to the, is kilt a word? Dressed to the whatever. They were dressed nice. They had their crowns on. I mean, you could see the gold linen. I mean, they were, in all these nativity scenes, you've never seen nativity scenes, nativity scenes out of place, right? These wise men look sharp. And I was thinking to myself, you guys traveled 400 miles. I'm sure your outfits were out of place. It could have been moth-eaten. I mean, they went through the desert. Certainly, they were at least dirty at the very least, not to mention 400 miles without a warm shower. 
You can imagine these guys smelled to high heavens when they got to Jesus. They probably blended in with the smell of the, you know, uh, the manger that they went to because you know, animals were kept there. And I thought to myself, oftentimes God allows you to go through really stinky situations in order to get to him. Some people think they don't need to sweat to get to it. You know what I hear people all the time say? If it's God, it's easy. If it's God, he's gonna make it easy on me. Because it's so tough in this relationship, it must not be God. Because this job is tough, because being on this worship team is tough. Come on, I'm trying to make it practical. My worship team is good, they don't feel that way, but you get the message. This ministry wouldn't be so tough. My destiny, this road that I'm on wouldn't be so tough. This job that I'm at wouldn't be so tough if it was God. It wouldn't be such a long way. I wouldn't have to sweat for it. But can I tell you, the Bible says narrow is the way. In other words, there is a price to pay to get to what God has for you in your life. You are gonna have to fight for it. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. In other words, you will have to fight for what God has called you to. Isn't it funny how he tells you about the promises, but he don't tell you about the blood, the sweat, and the tears that you're going to have to incur if you're going to get to it? You will have to fight to get to what God has for you. Look at somebody and say, you're going to have to fight. It's funny to me that God chooses this way through the desert. He could have chosen an easier way. He could have chose I-4, 408, you know, an easier way. Why can't it be easier? Have you ever felt like that in your relationship with God? This should be easier. Am I the only one who's ever prayed that? God, why does this burden have to be so heavy? Why does this have to be so tough? Why does this have to take so long? One thing I have found out as a disappointment as I've walked with the Lord is the amount of people who've given up after living their life for Jesus. Discontentment. People grow discontented situations that people find themselves in that don't line up with what ideals they have about God in their own mind, and therefore they give up. Because we have this whole imagination on how God should be. God, you should bless my relationship this way. God, it shouldn't be this tough. Come on, you've never painted the picture on how your life should look. If you're not careful and you keep painting that picture, painting a God that does not exist, because we paint a picture of God you know, in the beginning of the garden, but now we live in a fall. There's, we live in a fallen world. Now, even then, God can still get his perfect will done. And it's not that God wants you to have to go through difficult times, but even in this fallen state of the world, God can work out all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose because he's good and he's God. In other words, he can still take a fallen world and still get you to the perfect purpose that he has for your life. If you've been through a divorce, he can still get you to his perfect will. Come on, if you've, been, if you've lost your job, he can still get you to his perfect will. If you've lost your home, if you have sickness in your body, God can still deal with all the broken situations that are in life and because he just puts it together like a puzzle. It may not be like you think it should be. It may not even look like you think it should look, but can I tell you, God will work out all things, not some things, all things together for the good because you're called according to his purpose. Amen? Is this okay? I love what Philippians 4, verse 11, and I'm almost done. I'm gonna have you stand to your feet in just a moment. The reason I feel that Christianity is so frail, 
these days is because we have oftentimes miscommunicated the message. And I think I've been guilty because sometimes we've been more concerned with building hype, getting people to clap and getting people to shout. But I'm entering into a phase in my life in my young little 36 years as of December. I care about people growing in their relationship with God versus shouting. I would, I would rather see you grow up in the Lord versus shout because I've walked so many different years and I'm sure many of you can testify to this, especially you who are seasoned have been around for a while. There comes a point where you don't want to shout anymore. You want to see it. I want to see the promises of God. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep having to run around my Jericho wall. Some of you are in here who have ran across and ran around your Jericho wall and are ready for your promises. Come on. Am I talking to anybody in here? Philippians chapter four, verse 11 says this, not that I speak in regard to need, but I have learned that in whatever state I'm in, this is the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of the Testament, New Testament. He said, I've learned that whatever state I'm in to be content, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. And I know, excuse me, everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he saying? He, he learned contentment through his discontentment. You don't think the first time he went to prison it was hard for him? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament hunched over in that little cell. But through all those difficulties, and do you know what? The, you know what I have found? I'm going to give you a little nugget. I have found that the more we push against the goads, that's a fancy word for, it's in the new, I guess the King James Version. Uh, a goad is like a, a pointy stick. It's what they would use to prod sheep or livestock stock on. And God uses goads in our life, right? To poke us into the direction he wants us to go. But I have found the more discontented we are with our circumstances, the worse our circumstances get. Because God wants us to all come to a place where we are content in all things. That's the place that Paul came to. See, we don't get these kind of messages today. Listen, cars will not ultimately make you happy. You will find something wrong with the car that you don't like. Your spouse will not ultimately make you happy. A single life, you think about divorce, single life will not make you happy. You know what somebody told me? The reason the grass looks green in the other yard is because you're, you're not close enough to see the manure. <laughs> Joy and happiness come from the inside of you. It's something divine. It's not circumstantial. I got a bigger house, and guess what? I'm the same Donnie, and I feel the same way, and I sleep the same. Things will not make you happy. What makes you happy and gives you great joy is finding contentment with what God has already blessed you with. If you have a little Ford Festiva and can't put more than a half a tank of gas in it, run around that car like it's the walls of Jericho and be grateful for what God has given you. If you only have five outfits and one suit in your closet, give God praise and give him glory. And the more you give him praise and glory with the small things, God will then give you bigger things if he so wills it. Amen. But be content in all things, whether you're abased or you're abounding, whether you're hungry or whether you're full, be content. Look at somebody and say, be content. 
I love what Corey Ten Boom says. Talking about difficult situations. Say difficult situations. Corey Ten Boom was a Holocaust survivor. And she passed on, I think, back in the 80s. I think it was 1983 she passed. You may want to correct me on it, some of you who are um, historians. She was a Holocaust survivor, and she helped uh, some Jewish individuals. She opened up their home when all of that was happening, and people were getting arrested and being brought into these concentration camps. And the Nazis broke down, broke into the home, and found these Jewish um, people and took Corey Ten Boom. She was a, girl, a little girl, her parents, the whole family, took them all to the concentration camp. Corey Ten Boom's um, sister died, and just, just after she died, somehow, miraculously, Corey Ten Boom escapes, and they, they let her go or she escaped. I'm not sure of the whole story, but here's the point. Here's a woman who's been through something. She says this, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until he's all you have. I want to talk to a young person in here right now for a moment. Can you stand to your feet? All of you stand. I'll talk to the young person as everybody stands. He must be an engineer. At heart, anyway. I was talking to a young man who lost his father when he was young. I didn't say too much to him, but my heart went out to him because my brothers and I, we lost, we lost our dads. And I was, just, I was just thinking about how I really came to Christ. I'm gonna be vulnerable and tell you this as the musicians play. When I, when I got saved... I hope it's okay. My brothers don't get mad at me. I was living on the streets at this time. My mom had gotten married. I was a heathen. I think I was 17 at this time. She'd gotten remarried. She didn't know how to handle me. And um, I was selling drugs. About five years, a five-year stretch. I was just, just living in the world. And one of my brothers was facing two years in prison. I have two brothers here. They're both here, the ones that helped do this. One was in prison and one was in jail. One of them was facing 30 years as a habitual offender. Of course, now they're saved and sanctified. Praise God. God answers prayers, building podiums for their brother. That's pretty awesome. But I was so lost and one of my brothers was praying for me while he was facing, he was supposed to be facing 30 years. He's here. And he ended up getting out 13 months sentence by the grace of God. The reason I'm telling you this is because here's how I found Jesus is after I was living that lifestyle, I remember, I remember the night. I've told this story before. I remember the night I'd got through doing something terrible and I was running from the police. There was I, I left the store and the helicopter comes over the, over the car and they put the light, the spotlight in the car. You wouldn't believe it, but I had gold in my mouth. I was from Pine Hills. I mean, I was a heathen. I know y'all can't tell. God does a good job cleaning up cornrows and all. 
pants sagging, all of that stuff. And the, the, the helicopter follows me all the way. I mean, it looked like a ISP chase, like you would see. And um, I just remember how lost, and I hated that lifestyle, to be honest with you. I hated what I was doing, but I didn't know any better. You know, my dad was murdered when I was nine. We didn't really know any other way. And so it's not that I didn't, you know, it's not that I didn't want a better life. I didn't know how to get a better life. And so the Lord had to supernaturally intervene. And so that night I pull into the driveway. I tell this individual, get out of the car. I'm like, this is the end of the road for me. Spotlight and they're on the bullhorn. They're telling me they're going to release the dogs, calling me by my first and last name. And then they did something now I see is divine. I just thought they were dumb. They took the light off the car and put it on this abandoned house that I was sleeping in. I'd be eaten up with mosquitoes every single night. I was living on the streets, taking baths where I could, in the sinks at the Chevron gas stations. I want to encourage a young person this morning. And so I run in the backyard and there's this wheelbarrow. I know it's funny, but it's a, it's a covered area and I, I hear them releasing the dogs. I hear them barking, they're getting close. And I, I pull this wheelbarrow over me and immediately, and now I was, I was doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing that night, so I think I'm hallucinating, but I'm, but I'm not. I mean, I'm in a full open vision. Immediately it happened. And I heard the voice of the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. And I heard these words follow. I lay before you life and death. And then the, then the voice told me what to choose. I would read this later in the Bible. And it said, choose life. And, and almost immediately when I said I choose life, it was like a thousand bricks fell off of me. And I come, I come out of this vision. I had a vision of this dark road and a light road, and I seen footsteps. And I knew the footsteps that were on the dark road were my father's, and I was following those footsteps. My dad was murdered. And I knew I was going down the wrong road. But when I said I choose life, I came out of this vision. It seemed like I was there for a long time, but it couldn't have been maybe 30 or 40 seconds. And I knew I had an encounter with the Lord. And, and here's, here's why I say all that. It's because I came to him because I had nothing. And he showed me, like Corey Ten Boom said, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until you have nothing. So I want to encourage you who I was talking to this morning. I'm not going to call you out, but maybe this applies to somebody else in this room. I've been to the place where you have nothing. And usually when you come to that place where you have nothing, nowhere to turn, your boyfriend can't be the answer to your problem, your girlfriend, your spouse, your job, your church, the pastor, the government, the president. When you come to the end of yourself, then you find Christ. Because that's where he begins. Because he makes his strength perfect where there's weakness. And until you are vulnerable and weak and see him as everything, he refuses to become strong in your life. He stays hidden until you run out of answers. And then when you come to that place and you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm broken. He can work with brokenness. He can't work with pride. He cannot, he cannot work with arrogance. 
He can't even work with your answers. He works with brokenness. Fourthly, I hope that was for somebody. Fourthly and lastly, these wise men that we see in this picture behind me, they stayed determined. We have to fix our eyes. That's what the Bible says, fix your eyes. In other words, be determined. Somebody say, be determined. If you're a person who likes rapid results, can I just tell you, it doesn't exist in the kingdom. God will process you. He shapes you. He molds you. He sometimes leaves you in situations long enough to make you think that he's not going to rescue you and right when you're at the end of yourself and you keep trusting him, then he comes through. We have to keep our eyes on the star no matter what this year, no matter what the outcome of the election is. And I'm going to go out on a limb and you may not like me after this, but I might as well fast forward and help you out. I do pray. I pray that this turns for our children's sake. I pray it turns. There's no reason for aborted babies in the murder of life. That right there should stop every Christian in their tracks. No matter another man's disposition or their personality, this is not about personality. This is about life. And God is no longer going to deal with blood on our hands. If we vote, come on. If we vote for a person who aborts babies or supports that, the blood is on our hands. Yes. It's not on the president's hands. Yes. I know I'm not going to earn any fanfare. Nobody's going to want my autograph after that, but, but that is the truth. So this year, we're not going to, let's not focus on a president, no matter what the outcome is, no matter who ends up being president, no matter what God ends up doing in your life in this season, no matter if darkness surrounds you, no matter if difficulties surround you in 2021, I'm going to tell you right now, 2021 can be your brightest year, but you have to take your focus off of the darkness. You have to take your focus off the surroundings, and you're going to have to be determined. These wise men were determined to keep their eyes on the star. They didn't worry about what was in front of them. Don't worry about what's ahead of you in 2021. Put your eyes on the star, the bright and morning star, Jesus. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, you would help us not to put our eyes this year on our sickness if we have a sickness or if we're going through a marriage difficulty. Let us not put our eyes on that, God. Let us not put our eyes on social media. Let us not focus on the news. Let's not focus on the outcome. All those, those things are important. Above all those things, we can watch those things in, in, in increments, but God, more than all of that, help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the bright and morning star, and that in turn will light up 2021, and may it be the brightest year ever. May I even just by faith prophetically declare that, that this year, as you focus your eyes on Jesus, this year will be your best year yet. Not because good things are happening to you, but you've discovered the secret place. You've discovered the beauty of keeping your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher 
of your faith. I pray that this year would be a great year, not because your social status changes or your financial status changes, although those are great things, Lord. I I pray in Jesus' name that you would discover as you fix your eyes on the star, Jesus, I pray that the presence of God would envelop every aspect of your life, every fiber of your being. I pray that there would be a tangible presence that you would carry in your heart, in your spirit, man, that you never had before because you're fixing your eyes on the light. I hear, I I just felt that. If you stare into light too long, it can damage your eyes. It can can damage your um, pupils, your eyesight. But Jesus is the only light that you can keep staring into and you keep getting better. He's the only star, he's the only light that you can look at that that helps you with your spiritual eyesight more and more. As the more you look at that star, Jesus, the better you get, the stronger you get, the more your faith increases, the more disciplined you'll become, the more holy you'll become. As you look at him, you become more holy. As you gaze at him, your righteousness increases. Not your own righteousness, it's his righteousness. The more of his truth begins to invade every aspect of your life. And so if you just received that, just go ahead and lift your hands even right now. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.